Welcome to the Dharma Spring. A student asked Zhao Zhou, Does a newborn baby have consciousness? Zhao Zhou said, Tossing a ball on rushing waters. The student went on to ask Toza, what does tossing a ball on rushing waters mean? Toza said, moment after moment, it never stops flowing. Hmm. So I've just kind of walk my way through this koan. Um, you know, as with all koans, the encouragement, the invitation is to make it yours, your questions, your answers, be all the parts in it. Um, so I'll be doing a bit of that, but I also, you know, bring in a little bit that hasn't been, well, I don't know if it's been brought in when I wasn't here, but I didn't bring it in on Monday, but to kind of speak about this question about consciousness. Um, the literal translation would be, does this newborn baby have the sixth consciousness? And this is according to Buddhist psychology or philosophy that there are eight consciousnesses and the first five are just the senses. Each sense is a consciousness. And then the sixth sense, that consciousness is the thinking mind, conceptual mind, discriminating consciousness, that kind of thing. You know, the one that thinks a lot of things, has ideas and concepts and constructs and can be quite vexing. That one <laughs> is kind of um, the heightened, rather than just the ability to think, you know, this person in bringing this up or for me bringing it up as this person, it's like this thinking mind that I have that troubles me so much that I'm trying to figure out how to do with or what to do with and how to be with it and all that kind of stuff. That's what I'm asking about. And so I notice when I ask, um, when I'm asking, does a newborn baby have this? I'm kind of saying, is this an in inherent part of me? Have I always, since, has it been with me since I was born? <laughs> or is it something that developed over time? Yeah. Because I notice I'd like to be able to do something about it. And there's an idea I have that if, well, if I can figure out if they had a starting point or not, you know, if it's always been, or if it's something that developed, well, there's implications, especially if it's something that developed over time. Um, it's like, well, if I develop it, then I can maybe undevelop it, release it, since it's not an inherent part of me. So maybe that's part of one answer I'm hoping for. <laughs> is, oh yeah, it wasn't there from the beginning, it developed over time, so you can do something about it. And if the other answer is, oh, you've always had it, then it's like, oh, then, then what do I do about it? How do I, <laughs> how do I address it? But I find when I'm asking these questions, that's what I'm wondering about. Um, I'm looking for a route into dealing with this thing that plagues me, vexes me at times. Yeah, once and for all, perhaps. Another way I could view this newborn baby is instead of being about me or us being having this consciousness from the very beginning 
thinking about awakening, enlightenment, you know, or as Bankes talked about, the unborn. Before, you know, Banke was a Japanese teacher, says you already have this unborn thing. Before things are birthed and become all complicated, you have the inherent unborn nature of Buddha nature, that kind of stuff. So I could also be asking about when I experience awakening and kind of in that new, newly born place, will this consciousness still be there? Um, I thought about this poem from Daito Kokushi, a Japanese teacher from 13th century, um, describing his experience of, well, he wrote a poem about his experience of practicing for a long time and then something happening and what it felt like to him. And that came to mind as I thought about that idea of a newborn. So he says, it's over the Buddhas and patriarchs disease. <laughs> Buddhas and patriarchs in quotes, but this thing that's, oh, yeah. Well, actually he says, it's over the Buddhas and patriarchs disease that once gripped my chest. I really love that. I can feel that, that heaviness that, oh, I've heard about this way of practicing and then it became a burden because I was like, what do I do about this? How do I figure this out? This Buddhas and patriarchs disease. <laughs> um, this thing that said, yes, there's a way to be free, but then found it so hard to find that freedom, such a long journey. So it's over. The Buddhas and patriarchs disease that once gripped my chest. Now I'm just an ordinary person with a clean slate. So that ordinary person, clean slate, has that kind of, ah, newborn, <laughs> of dropped away body and mind, all those kind of things. So we get these imageries, imagery, these images, there we go, these images and these words from the poems and the stories we read. And there seems to be a freshness there, that newborn, ah, in this awakening, in this enlightenment, uh, those experiences. So that's the other way I could be taking this question. When I experience awakening, deep awakening, will this consciousness still be here or will it be gone? And there I am hoping, oh, hopefully it's gone. <laughs> but then I notice, well, that has implications too. Um, if the answer was to be, yes, it's, it'll be gone, that newborn person, newborn baby of you, of me, at those moments won't have this consciousness anymore. Well, then I might have wonderful experiences and ah, but I notice I still have that consciousness. So therefore those must not have been genuine. They must not have been good enough because there it is again still. On the other hand, if I hear, well, yeah, that consciousness will still be there. Well, that a relief maybe because I notice, well, it is still here most of the time, but it still might plague me and vex me. So either way, I'm looking at this, these questions, I'm trying to find out how can I work with this? What's the, what's the deal here? Is this inherent or something I can get rid of just so I know a direction to take, how to deal with it, how to uh, work with this as I work on my finding that freedom, that ah place, yeah. So then I get a reply that's like, what? <laughs> Tossing a ball on rushing waters. Huh, okay. To me, there's multiple um, 
multiple dimensions to that, as you seem to always be in these responses. One is to say simply trying to figure it out, trying to nail something down, trying to find the way is like tossing a ball onto rushing waters. It flips, it zips away, it goes um, and hard to follow because those rushing waters take it away. So if I'm looking to, if I'm standing on the shore and trying to figure out the way through by tossing that ball out there, I might find something out, but I'm also, something's gonna slip away quite quickly now and it won't quite be the same as um, getting something clear that I can get a hold of and then take with me as I journey forward. I was thinking of, it may be, it, it may be a Chinese thing, maybe even in the West, but the, this wooden goose, when people are going down rivers, there's this thing, I think it's from a Chinese story, but they, it's called the wooden goose when they come to rapids. And this happens with people here too. When you come to rapids, if you're doing a rafting trip or something, it's common to pull over to the side and go and scout out the rapids. This wooden goose would be something somebody would toss in so people could watch how it went down the rapids. So they have an idea of, oh, this is how I should navigate this, yeah. And so that's what this tossing the ball on rushing waters brought to mind is, I'm trying, I have, it's, he's bringing, I'm bringing a concept forward. And Zhao Zhao is kind of saying, well, this concept of yours of having or not having this consciousness and what it means, all the things I've wrapped up in this idea is like, that's the ball I'm bringing. And I'm throwing it out to the rushing waters to try to get advice before I proceed into the waters myself. Yeah. And I will find out some things. I will find, oh yeah, the river runs that way and it flows this way. That's what that wooden goose told me. Um, but that's a limited knowing. Still not gonna be the same when I get into the waters myself. Yeah. May go generally how I thought, but there's that unknown factor of, well, I weigh much more in a raft with uh, all my equipment than that goat, that wooden goose, yeah. So I get some ideas, but it's still, I'm not gonna know for sure what it's like until I get into those rushing waters myself. And even then I might not be able to figure out exactly what happened and repeat it and figure out a way to deal with the next rapids because they're gonna be different. The water's always rushing, yeah. So that's um, one thing is like trying to figure it out ahead of time. The other thing I feel is this encouragement of our life is just always tossing a ball onto rushing waters. <laughs> just toss, jump in, yeah. Kind of like last week's encouragement, jump into that bag of fur as the dog, jump into your life. This week it's like, well, jump into the waters and find out, see what happens from the inside, yeah from the flow as you flow along with it. But still, I don't know that I'll, again, whether I'm looking at it ahead of time and trying to scope it out or going through the experience and noting what happened, I don't know that I can come away with something concrete that's going to help me definitively in either situation. Be enough to help me get by, but the experience itself, you know, it's gonna do what it does as my life does. Often, it just, it does what it does. <laughs> and that kind of speaks to the, the second part, you know, this 
student or me wandering away after this, thinking all these thoughts that I'm thinking now. This has been my journey after that first encounter with Jajo of traveling and wondering, well, what did he mean? And which new morn am I talking about? And all those implications. And then I come to this next person, Toza, and say, well, with all these ideas in my head, <clears throat> I'm asking him, what does this tossing a ball on rushing waters mean? Moment after moment, it never stops flowing. Hmm. So that to me also has multiple levels and dimensions. Um, actually, one thing that had come to mind, like a combination of these two, the never stops flowing and the tossing the ball, that still fixed thing onto the moving rapidly rushing by thing, reminded me of that story about the blind people and the elephant. And they each go and their companions, they hear there's gonna be a magnificent creature coming to the village, let's go. And you know they live together as a community of blind people, but they wanted to go find out what this magnificent creature is. So yeah, one grabbed the tail, it's a rope. One grabbed a, a foot, it's a tree trunk. It's a big old tree, um, you know, all the different parts. And each of them said, no, it's this, no, it's that. They had their own concepts, their own ideas based on their grabbing hold of something, getting a hold of something. Then they have their conversation of sharing their perspectives and realize, oh no, it's an elephant. We put all those together. And that kind of moves out of a fixed place into a moving place, but it's still a moving place by combining um, still places, so to speak. Yeah, things we can get a hold of. Because I, I thought about that story a few years ago. It's like, that's pretty good. But knowing that it's an elephant really doesn't tell me about that elephant as much. And so my, my next evolution of that story was, then it's time to climb on top and go for a ride. Because those fixed still places are just the elephant as an idea to get up onto the elephant, to feel its body heat, maybe feel its heartbeat, to have it move and feel what it's like to move with it. It's flowing. I learned something more about that. And I, oh, this is what elephant is, yeah? Even more so than the idea of elephant put by putting those pieces together. And I thought, well, that's pretty good, but still there's that inner life of the elephant that I will never know. <laughs> that has it go to grab that particular grass to eat instead of that over there, or to walk quickly or slowly. That whole inner world that I can't quite know, but I can be in touch with by riding on the elephant, yeah? So to me, that's like the getting into the rushing waters and to realize, oh, it's always moving. There's something always alive. Moment after moment, it never stops flowing. The elephant, and even me and my concepts, my ideas trying to get a hold of the elephant and understand it. So there's movement within me and beyond me and around me and throughout me, throughout us all, yeah. So then I began to wonder with that last phrase, moment after moment, it never stops moving. What is the it <laughs> that is being referred to? Um, the consciousness, I could see that. From the very beginning, from when I was born, it has never stopped moving, yeah. I could see it to be that, 
but I could also see it being that consciousness in the idea of instead of the general long arc of it's always moving my specific trying to get a hold of it and figure it out it's like yeah that never stops it's always going to keep moving that part of me that's going to be doing that um which again i like with the other phrase i don't find a definitive way to land with this it could be comforting to know ah there's something that's always been flowing and it never stops but there's also this damn it it's never going to stop. <laughs> it's never going to land and go, aha, you're done. You can just rest. It, it's going to continually move. And so I will have a different relationship with that movement from time to time. Sometimes it'll be, ah, sometimes it will be, oh, still moving, constantly moving, never stopping. Um, this um, a familiar experience over this last couple of weeks for me, but also in other times. Um, well, first it was a something I talked about a few months ago when I talked about being in a funk <laughs> and um, I just let myself be in that funk instead of trying to do anything about it. So I was kind of moving with it. And then I described, then eventually it just kind of was gone. And I noticed in that time, it felt like, oh, I'm back. The funk is gone. I'm back to how I used to be back to where I like to be, something like that, yeah? But that doesn't stay, things keep moving, yeah? But we do, I experience that of having a state of being that I enjoy, that I drift away from sometimes due to circumstances and look forward to getting back to, yeah? But there's other times where I have something on my mind I'm trying to figure out. And this has been the last few weeks, just pondering something and I noticed Every day I have felt different about it and thought differently about it. And I notice there's a part of me that's hoping, okay, I'm gonna ponder this for a little bit and then we're gonna land and be able to say something definitive about it, but I'm not there, I can't. <laughs> but that, and that's also kind of nice. I've, I've discovered it's like, oh, it's kind of nice to just notice every day it's different, sometimes vastly different from the previous day, the way I'm thinking about it and feeling about this, uh, this stuff and it's like oh it's such a it's so alive that territory that's moving within me and in my life and it was interesting to notice uh, how i was kind of enjoying that as the more familiar feeling would be frustration of come on just do what you need to do andrew process through this then land um so somehow that's not happening and it's it's working out all right. So I'm curious to see, well, what will the next day bring? It's kind of like an adventure. <laughs> Tossing myself into the rushing waters of me and noticing how it flows today and then today and then today, yeah. And yet there seems to be within that ever-changing flow of me, there seems to be more of that perennial, that long-lasting, always been their flow happening as well, which is curious to notice that they're both there and they have distinct flavors, but they're not so distinct that I can separate them out and don't have to choose one over the other. It's not even possible, yeah. So I thought about, we talk about that uh, sometimes, it comes up often actually, the Rio Abajo Rio, the river beneath the river. That's the one that's always flowing underneath all things, you know, 
the vast, the eternal, the expansive, the, the endless flow. That's kind of the, the ah, <laughs> that's always moving, never stopping. But then there's the river above the river, the river that's above that river, the river of our lives with its, instead of a smooth, seamless, endless flow um, that's pleasant, it's kind of that, the one with the eddies and the waterfalls and the, the trickles sometimes, or the, the, oh, it's too much, too many rapids. There's that kind of flow too. The river of our lives on the surface, so to speak. Um, that's always, also always moving, never stopping that flow. And again, these two are not two. Different flavors, different experiences, leaning into one or the other deeply affects how I am, um, affects how, I, how long I want to be in it or not. But I find because they're not separate and distinct and to be divided up, again, there's no choice here. I don't need to make a choice. I can um, just be in that mutual flow or that not to flow of it all. Without it being a place that I know anything about definitively. <laughs> I can't even settle there because I don't know how to do that. You know, I don't know how to hold the flow of both because they're one of them is very different all the time. The other one seems to be somewhat steady, but combined in their not two-ness, they're always different. And I can't have that predisposed way of dealing with it. That ball that I'm trying to hold on to and help me figure out a path through. Again, it comes down to jumping into the rushing waters, tossing myself into it, being with the rushing waters and discovering as I go what it's like, yeah. So in the end, these, this question about the consciousness and the thing that I've been looking for when I first come to Zhao Zhou isn't answered directly, but, well, I wanna say I feel kind of satisfied, but also not. But not being satisfied is kind of satisfying <laughs> because it seems to be realistic, yeah not getting something concrete and solid to hold on to just seems okay. Yeah. Um, I want to bring in here to wrap things up with this poem from Ryokan, which was what I read that made me think of this koan and helped us <laughs> or, or uh, imposed upon us this koan for this week. It was this poem that I'm about to read, which I'll say a little bit about. Um, he would often, he would go live in a hut, be a hermit off on his own, but he'd often go begging in the village and then end up playing with the children and having fun while he's doing that. Sometimes, oops, he forgot to go fill up his begging bowl because he got distracted having fun. <laughs> so that was sometimes his, the flow of his day. But so here's one seems to be one of those times of playing. Um, we throw a little woolen ball back and forth. I don't want to boast of my skill, but if someone asks me the secret of my art, I say one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 
You throw a little woolen ball back and forth. I don't want to boast of my skill, but if someone asks me the secret of my art, I say one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, maybe like that. Just like that. That's the secret. One, and then two, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, kind of like reading this poem was one, koan was two. And then we had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, three, four, five. You know. And my life is like that. One, then two, three, four, five, six, seven. But not always. Sometimes it's like one and then two. And then, wait, can I get back to one? You know, I might do a little back and forth dance. But I like the simplicity. The secret of the art is just one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And imagine it goes on from there infinitely. He just decided to end the poem there. <laughs> All the numbers to come. And that's that it never stops flowing with a little bit of structure, a little bit of body on it. Well, it doesn't stop flowing, but here's a one and a two and a three and a four, five, six, seven to accompany that. Yeah. And that's what I've been finding in these last few weeks, my day by day, totally different. One, then two, three, four, five, six, seven. tossing the ball back and forth or following it down the river, kicking it down the road as I one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, yeah. Hmm. So what comes next? Keep kicking it, that ball, jump in the river with it, toss it again and find out, yeah. What is your one, two, three, four, five, six, seven? Thank you for listening. For more about Andrew Palmer and his teachings, please visit bowandroar.com and look for him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.